Hi everyone, Jonathan Monty here, and thanks for joining me for this special podcast presentation of my Life Transforming Training Program. It's appropriately titled Life Transformation, The Complete Journey. It's a nine-part program designed to empower you to uncover and overcome whatever blocks are holding you back, to help you discover your true self, to create lasting changes, find emotional freedom, build confidence and self-esteem, achieve balance and harmony, reach your personal goals, and create a life of greater happiness, purpose, and fulfillment, and thrive in a higher consciousness. Throughout this training program, I'll teach you the proven strategies and the exact step-by-step -step process that I've discovered and have personally used to transform my life and the lives of the countless students I've worked with. Now, in order to get the most out of this training program, it's essential that you start with the first episode and move through each of the nine episodes in their sequential order. Each episode builds upon the lessons of the previous episodes, and each episode reveals specific tools and techniques and include exercises and guided meditations that will help you achieve absolutely extraordinary results. In addition to the nine episodes, this training program includes 15 guided meditations that can be found right here on this podcast channel. And to get free instant access and download the personal success guide and workbook, you can head over to my website at jonathanmonte.com forward slash life transformation. Once again, that's jonathanmonte.com forward slash life transformation to download your free personal success guide and workbook. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you can get all of my latest episodes and learn more ways to achieve the life you truly desire. And now I present to you episode three, the hidden power of our emotions. Hi friends, Jonathan Monty here, and welcome back to Life Transformation, The Complete Journey. This is episode three, The Hidden Power of Our Emotions. Now, I understand that emotions aren't something most people get too excited about, but I hope the name of this episode intrigues you, because I think few of us really understand and appreciate how powerful our emotions are, and just how important they are to our well-being and development. So let me ask you, What's the first thing we do when we start to feel an emotion we don't like? Well, if you're like most people, you'll either try to ignore it or suppress it, right? And how well does that work out for us? Not well. And doing this usually causes us even more pain in the future. So why then do we avoid or suppress our emotions? Chances are it's because we never developed a healthy emotional response process, which is one of the things I'll be teaching you in this episode. This includes learning what emotions are, how they work, why they're so important, how to control experience, and respond to them so we can grow and move forward. See, we live in a beautiful and diverse world full of so many amazing things, but unfortunately there also exists an overwhelming amount of confusion, pain, and suffering. So many of us hurt in different ways, and we wish we could change, heal, and make things better not just for ourselves, but in the world as a whole. The good news is that we can make this change. We can heal and make things better for ourselves 
and for the world around us. And one of the key components in our ability to make this change is our ability to experience, process, and respond appropriately to our emotions. We all have some kind of understanding of emotions. We all know love, desire, fear, sadness, and so on. And while some of us may be better at experiencing emotions than others, I think few of us really understand our own emotions. Part of the reason behind this is because not only has the bulk of our society stereotyped emotional responses and typecast gender roles for what's emotionally acceptable and what's not, but we also face an overwhelming amount of social ignorance. For the most part, our society does not understand the role emotions play in our lives and how rejecting them causes complex personal problems and perpetuates negative, harmful patterns and manifestations. And our ability to experience and connect those emotions with certain experiences that we've had is directly associated with our ability to resolve our conflicts and find freedom from their manifestations. So what are emotions? Emotions are a series of physical responses and sensations brought about by an internal or external experience. These physical responses and sensations may include tears, tense muscles, elevated heart rate, lump in our throat, sweat, chills, etc. And even though there are distinctions between the different types of emotions we experience, they may share some or even several of the same physical responses. Here's a list of the most common emotions we experience. Love, happiness, joy, excitement, enthusiasm, optimism, inspiration, fulfillment, pride, acceptance, anticipation, gratitude, trust, admiration, serenity, connection, balance, harmony, and then opposite of those, we also feel sadness, sorrow, grief, fear, loneliness, hopelessness, disappointment, self-pity, remorse, regret, guilt, hate, disgust, contempt, envy, jealousy, anger, and rage. And again, these are just a few of the most common emotions and feelings we experience. There are several more and variances of each one. Now let's talk about the importance of our emotions. Emotions are a natural and essential element of our human condition. Our emotional responses are a natural force which originates within us and needs to be experienced and expressed. When we have an experience which evokes an emotion and we experience the emotion, we are in alignment and stay balanced. Experiences which evoke an emotional response require we experience the associated emotions in order for the experience to be complete. As the experience and the emotional response are integrated with each other. As humans, we experience certain physiological changes and sensations which provide us with vital information about our state. For example, when we get hungry, we feel it and we know it's time to eat. When we get tired, we feel it and we know it's time to sleep. And when we start to experience emotions, we feel it. Now, ideally, we would allow ourselves to experience our emotions and understand their meaning. But unfortunately, in most cases, when we start to feel our emotions surfacing, our first reaction 
isn't to allow ourselves to feel them. In so many and often subconscious ways, we suppress them. Imagine if you didn't eat when you got hungry, or if you didn't sleep when you got tired. It's easy to see how painful our life would be if we didn't follow our physiological cues and respond accordingly. And it's the same for our emotions as well. Our emotions are a physical gauge telling us about our state. And if we ignore our emotions, then we won't know how to respond accordingly. And there are real consequences for suppressing our emotions. The consequences may take some time to manifest, but when they do manifest, we're often unable to associate the manifestation with the underlying problem, which is our unprocessed emotion. If you want to see what unblocked emotions look like, watch children. They're incredibly emotional, and they naturally allow themselves to experience their emotions. So what happens from being a child to growing into an adult which influences us to suppress our emotions? The answer is repressive conditioning. There are several factors which influence our repressive conditioning. The first factor is social influences. Our society is, for the most part, ignorant to just how essential experiencing emotions are to our healthy development, existence, and alignment. Our society praises strength, and emotions are more associated with weakness. This is usually reinforced by our social experiences and the media. The second factor is gender role stereotypes. These stereotypes typically reinforce the misconception that women are more emotional than men, which places an expectation on women to be emotionally fit. This stereotype is also harmful to men who face social consequences, judgment, and condemnation for expressing their emotions. The third factor is generational influences. Because the majority of society does not understand the essential role emotions play, nor do they understand the process of which to experience emotions, we as children and adults are not commonly taught the process of experiencing our emotions. From that, harmful patterns get passed on from one generation to another. The fourth factor is personal influence. As we grow up and our world gets bigger, we absorb the messages we've received and take on society's emotional ignorance. Just as we received these messages and developed the pattern of emotional dysfunction, we in turn instill these same messages and teach the same emotional dysfunction to our children. This is how the cycle of emotional dysfunction and ignorance is perpetuated. The fifth factor is personal suppression. With our social programming firmly in place and without having learned the process of experiencing emotions, we commonly find it very uncomfortable when our emotions start to surface. The discomfort of these budding emotions is so great that we try to suppress our emotions by distracting or numbing ourselves. We deny ourselves the experience of our own emotions. There are several consequences we face when we block our emotions. The first consequence is disconnection. When we deny our emotions, we become more separated from ourselves and disconnected from the world around us. If we don't learn how to experience emotions, then we'll continue to have difficulty connecting in a meaningful way, and our rate of growth will be painfully slow. The second consequence is what I call an emotional trust account. 
This is like a trust account for financial assets where the assets are held in trust by a trustee. But in an emotional trust account, our emotions are held in trust by ourselves. The energy of our unexperienced emotions stays in us, waiting to be released through experience or expression. The third consequence is manifestation. This is usually the most painful and misunderstood aspect of emotional suppression. As time passes, our unprocessed emotions will manifest and express themselves often in negative and destructive ways. The most commonly known type of manifestation is that to our health. Studies have shown that people who regularly avoid experiencing negative emotions as a coping mechanism are at higher risk of overall poor health, cancer, and cardiovascular disease. But the lesser known and most confusing type of manifestation is with our own behavior. Remember, emotions are energy, and when we suppress our emotions, we are suppressing energy, an energy that has a natural need to be released by experience or expression. This is what I call an unresolved emotional conflict, or unresolved conflict for short. Because our experiences and their associated emotions need to be completed to achieve balance, they will manifest in various ways, essentially replaying the conditions and situation of the original experience, giving us reminders and opportunities to experience the emotions and complete the experience. If we don't learn how to process our emotions, and we don't learn how to identify and resolve our internal conflicts, then they will continue to manifest and we will stay out of balance until they are resolved. Without this understanding, we usually don't see these patterns of behavior as manifestations of an unresolved conflict. The manifestations sometimes recreate situations very similar to the situation which created the unresolved conflict. Manifestations which are similar in this way will be easier to identify once we know how to look for them. However, if our unresolved conflicts manifest in a way which does not on the surface resemble the initial situation, then it will be more difficult to identify and connect a manifestation with its unresolved conflict. A single unresolved conflict may manifest itself in several ways sometimes leading to a series of harmful patterns of behavior. Sometimes a series of patterns of behavior may closely resemble each other, and other times they may manifest in very different ways, as we may or may not even be aware of these patterns. These manifestations create a pattern of behavior, which is often harmful to ourselves and other people. And if we see a pattern of behavior, yet are unaware the pattern is a manifestation, we're often left confused and frustrated and unable to understand or explain our behavior. If the pattern of behavior is sufficiently painful or unacceptable to us or others, we may try to stop the pattern of behavior. However, an attempt to stop this pattern of behavior without resolving the unresolved conflict will almost always fail. Attempting to stop this pattern of behavior can be incredibly difficult as our attempt to stop the pattern requires an exertion of force against the energy which is attempting to express or release itself. If through free will and determination, 
we were able to force ourselves to stop a pattern of behavior, stop the manifestation of an unresolved conflict, then the unresolved conflict will manifest in another way, either by trying to reintroduce itself in the same pattern or a new pattern. If we aren't aware that these patterns of behavior are manifestations of an unresolved conflict, then we are usually left wondering why our behavior continues, even though we want and try to stop it. Again, this can be incredibly frustrating and confusing. Not all conflicts have the same impact, though. Their significance will vary. And as a result of the universal balance, the degree of significance of an unresolved conflict is proportional to the degree to which the unresolved conflict manifests in our lives. While we retain an internal record of each of our experiences, the conflicts arising out of less significant experiences have lesser manifestations, while more significant experiences create larger conflicts and larger manifestations. Another thing to be aware of is how the manifestations of our unresolved conflicts may compound upon themselves. Chances are we have several significant unresolved conflicts which are manifesting themselves in our lives, each with their own pattern of harmful behavior. Because our pattern of behavior is likely to be harmful to other people, we may create situations which produce new conflicts that then in turn may manifest as well. This creates a series of harmful patterns of behavior which compound upon themselves, making each one more painful and causes greater confusion in wondering why we have these patterns and why we do what we do. The good news is that we can resolve our unresolved conflicts, thereby freeing ourselves of their manifestations and regaining balance and alignment. But the only way to stop a pattern of behavior, which is a manifestation of an unresolved conflict, is to resolve the conflict itself. And once our conflict has been resolved, its manifestation will cease to exist. We will be free. But before we can resolve our conflicts, we first need to learn how to experience emotions and develop an emotional response process, which I'll be teaching you later in this episode. So once you've developed your emotional response process and have identified your conflicts and their manifestations, you can then finally move on to resolving your conflicts. I'll be teaching you how to do this in episodes four and five. We should also be aware of the harmful reactions we have to unwanted emotions. Without having developed an emotional response process, we often react in several harmful and confusing ways to our emotions when they start to surface. Whether we're aware of it or not, the sensation of our surfacing emotions can be very uncomfortable or even frightening, which causes us to either try to hold in our emotions, distract ourselves, or change our state so we feel something other than our emotions. I was working with a gentleman a few years ago who was an ex-convict. He was a pretty tough guy, not someone you'd want to mess with. But he was so frightened by the physical sensations of his emotions, he said he'd rather go back to prison than feel his emotions. And he was serious. That's how uncomfortable he felt. Fortunately, he learned how to experience the physical sensations of his emotions. It took a while, but if he could overcome the discomfort, I'm sure you can as well. We also have physical reactions to unwanted emotions. 
If we try to hold in our emotions, we'll usually tense our body and face and change the depth and rate of our breathing. And sometimes when we try to hold in our emotions, we may lose control and have verbal or physical outbursts. And if something triggers our emotions, we may try to distract ourselves by thinking, doing, or talking about something else other than what triggered the emotion. If we feel a sense of powerlessness over our emotions, we may try to exercise our power by doing something we can control. For example, another student of mine who was in fear and felt powerless to change his financial well-being would clean his house anytime his fear and sense of powerlessness arose. Cleaning his house gave him a sense of control and power, but never solved his actual problem. We may exert control in seemingly productive ways, such as cleaning, exercising, etc., but other times we may exert control in harmful ways. For example, gossip, manipulation, rape, torment, etc. are harmful ways people exert control. Another way we try to avoid our emotions is by consciously or subconsciously changing our state. We change our state by doing things which will cause us to feel something other than the emotions we're trying to escape. These may include arguing, fighting, bullying, provoking conflicts, the use of alcohol, drugs or tobacco, eating, sex including cheating on your partner, gambling, adrenaline producing activities, loud music, body modifications, tattoos, piercings, the list could go on and on. We may use these activities to varying degrees with varying degrees of effectiveness and keeping us from experiencing our emotions. And sometimes we may use several of these types of activities at the same time to insulate ourselves even further. Now please understand that not all people who take part in these activities are trying to escape their emotions. People take these actions for all sorts of reasons, and they are not exclusively linked to emotional suppression. Another thing to look out for are harmful emotional addictions. Sometimes if we have a certain emotion which becomes familiar and feels good, we may become dependent on that emotion and do all we can to maintain that emotion. For example, if someone feels inferior, they may take action to create a sense of superiority and then do all they can to maintain that feeling. Also, there are times we may overfeel our emotions. Whether we're trying to or not, we may sometimes continue to feel certain emotions which no longer serve a purpose. With these, we can thank them for the purpose they served and release them. Now, when we develop a healthy emotional response process, we will easily be able to experience and process our emotions as they present themselves. This will allow us to connect with what we're experiencing in the moment, we become more balanced and aligned more connected and in touch with ourselves. We'll also be able to understand what our emotions are telling us, as they may be indicating we need to take some kind of action. If our physical health has been impacted, it may improve, depending on the severity and the extent it has already manifested. Another benefit is that we'll be able to process the emotions causing our unresolved conflicts. And in turn, this dissolves their manifestations in our patterns of behavior. This as well frees us to grow and become more of who we really are. Now in this section, I'm going to be teaching you how to experience emotions and develop the emotional response process. 
And while emotions may be intimidating to some of you, the good news is that this is a fairly simple and straightforward process. Now, in the previous episode, we learned how to effectively meditate, and we'll be using this skill to help us fully experience our emotions. Okay, so first we want to learn how to process our emotions in a controlled environment where we can fully experience their energy and learn how to allow them to pass through us. Once we've practiced this for a while, we'll be better at integrating our emotional response process into our daily activities and experiences. Now, first, you'll want to enter a meditative state. You can either use focused attention meditation to recall an event that will evoke an emotion, or by using open monitoring meditation, you can see which thoughts, memories, and emotions come up. Okay, so once you're in a meditative state, be aware of and pay attention to the emotion as it comes to you. Notice the physical sensation the emotion creates and where in your body you're feeling the sensation. Acknowledge and welcome the emotion. Identify the emotion by name if you can. For example, is it gratitude, joy, sadness, fear, etc.? If you can't yet identify the emotion, that's okay. With practice, this will come to you. Continue to pay attention to the physical sensation. Is the sensation changing, moving, or expanding? Is your emotion indicating for you to take some kind of action? Listen to its message. Let the sensation of the emotion exist within you. Let it be as it is. Observe it and how it moves through you. You may notice the intensity and rate at which it moves through you change. In time, the emotion may either dissolve, fade back inside, or pass through and exit your body. You may sense its exit through your back, shoulders, wrists, abdomen, chest, neck, head. You may also experience a physical shiver, soreness, numbness, or tightness as and after the emotion concludes. Experiencing an emotion is a very personal process, so allow yourself to have your own experience. It may be uncomfortable at first, but once you've practiced this for a while and experienced the different emotions in this way, you'll then be better prepared to process emotions whenever and wherever they come up. Be sure to use your personal success guide, which includes a section where you can log and keep track of these sessions. To help you practice, I've also included a guided meditation for emotional processing, which you can use to guide you until you're comfortable enough to do this on your own. And keep practicing until you've become comfortable and confident with the experience. It's important to note that there are several variations of emotional responses, and it's common for us to experience multiple emotions at the same time. Now, this can make it difficult for beginners to distinguish their emotions since it's possible to feel multiple physical sensations in the same moment. But again, with practice, you'll start to be able to distinguish the different emotions you're experiencing. We'll start to notice that some emotions appear and move slower while others come up and move through us quicker. Sometimes the sensations may move to different places in your body, or they may stay centered in a particular place. We may have a particular emotion or set of emotions stay with us for days, weeks, or months, just lingering. This is common, especially when we experience a significant life event, a 
of great joy or loss or fear. This is a normal reaction. For example, if we start a new relationship or a new job, we may feel an overwhelming sense of excitement at first. But as we become used to it in our daily lives, the heightened excitement may subside. Another example would be if we experienced a great loss, maybe the end of a relationship or a death. This is a natural grieving process which takes time to move through. In this case, we want to allow ourselves the time necessary to process our emotions. As uncomfortable as it may be, we don't want to try and speed this up and force our emotions. If we allow them to freely exist and move at their own pace, they will in time pass. And since we perceive things in our own unique way, we will also have our own responses to different experiences. Two people can experience the same event and yet have two very different perceptions and responses to the event. Part of this has to do with our social conditioning, our beliefs, our values, and generally what is important to us. A simple example here would be if a sports fan's team wins, he may get super excited, or if they lose, he may become sad or depressed. This is because he cares. His team's win is important to him. However, someone else who isn't a fan of the sport or the team may not care at all and be completely unaffected by the win or loss. Even if two people both care about something, they may or may not share the same level of care. And they would then experience and express their care according to the level of their care. Variations in emotional responses affect our social life as well. It's common for us to gravitate towards people who share our same interests and emotional responses. This is why some groups and people just click. However, if there are significant differences in interests and emotional responses, then groups and people will tend to separate. Don't worry about trying to sync up your emotions with other people. Remember, you are a unique entity and you're allowed to have your own experience. So once you've practiced processing your emotions in a meditative state, and have become comfortable and confident in identifying, experiencing, and listening to your emotions, you can then expand and develop your emotional response process to process your emotions as they come up during your day. As you go about your day, stay aware of any emotions that surface. Pay attention to what your emotions are in response to and allow yourself to experience the sensation until it dissolves, fades back within or exits your body. Now, with practice, you'll be able to use your emotional response process to easily experience and process your emotions as they come up. You'll begin to notice yourself becoming more aware, connected, and balanced. While it's imperative that we develop our emotional response process, it's also vitally important that we learn how to take the appropriate action as it relates to our emotions. If our emotions are a result of something we're doing which we shouldn't be doing, or if we aren't doing something we should be doing, then we need to take action to correct the situation. For example, if we feel guilty about not spending enough time with our family, then we need to take action and spend more time with our family. If we feel lonely and desire companionship, then we need to take action and find companionship. And if we feel shame about spending too much money, then we need to stop spending as much money. Now, there may be factors influencing your decisions, which created these undesirable situations, 
which we'll be getting into here in the next episode. But the point here is that we have a responsibility to take appropriate actions in response to our emotions. So once you've started to integrate your emotional response process, you'll be ready to begin mastering your emotions. This will allow you to stay current with your emotions and process them as they come up. So you won't be adding any more unresolved conflicts to your emotional trust account. If you find you're having difficulty processing some of your emotions during the day, you can always try to process them at home in a meditative state. But challenge yourself to experience and process your emotions as they come up during your day. The more you practice experiencing and processing your emotions, the more aware you'll become of the wide range of emotions that exist. You'll notice more and more of your emotions and become quicker at processing them. Whereas our emotions used to control us, we are now in control of them. Now that you've gone through this episode, feel free to repeat it as many times as you need to so you can fully absorb the material. Be sure to use the guided meditations and follow the exercises in your personal success guide. It is essential that you begin to master your emotional response process before you move on to our next episode, which is taking an honest and revealing personal inventory. Now let me repeat that. It is essential that you begin to master your emotional response process and follow the exercises in your personal success guide before you move on to the next episode. If you move on before you've developed your emotional response process, then you may not be able to adequately process the intense emotions which may arise while going through the next episode. So please take the time to develop your emotional response process and enjoy your new freedom. I'm proud of you for your dedication, your courage, and all your hard work. Thanks for watching. I hope this has been helpful and that you are enjoying this journey of life transformation. Hi everyone, it's Jonathan here. Hey, I hope you enjoyed episode three of Life Transformation, The Complete Journey. Don't forget to download your free personal success guide and workbook from my website at jonathanmonte.com forward slash life transformation. Once again, that's jonathanmonte.com forward slash life transformation. Once you're there, you can also download the complete audio course and the entire 15-track guided meditation album. And that's all for free. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you can get all of my latest episodes and learn more ways to achieve the life you truly desire. Now, your feedback is inspiring. So I have a favor to ask, and that's this. Please rate, review, and recommend this podcast channel. That way, I know you're enjoying these episodes and that I'm actually helping people transform their lives. You can also follow me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Jonathan Monty live. Once again, that's facebook.com forward slash Jonathan Monty L-I-V-E. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks for listening. I wish you an extraordinary life, and I'll see you in the next episode.